totally do. Yeah, so uh, Mike, thanks for coming out, man. I really my pleasure. Excited that you came out here on a Saturday. It's a nice day. Unfortunately, the traffic, but uh, yeah, the traffic um, was a little interesting getting down here. But uh, here we are. Yeah, we are. Arrive so, alive. Yeah, <laughs> thank God. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's start off with the who you are and um, what you do for a living. Like what's well, your what's your uh, job? Sure, Mike McLean. Um, you know, if I'm on set and there's about uh, 15 other mics, like there usually is down here, I go by Michael. But uh, Mike McLean, I'm a focus puller in the motion picture film industry. Okay, and what what is a focus puller? Like, what what's the, for in image terms? What what does that what does that job do? Well, you know, it's it's uh, focus pulling has sort of evolved from the from the time that I first started pulling focus uh, to what it is today. But uh, essentially. Uh, Whatever you're photographing, uh, you know, the focus pullers have to keep that subject or object in focus uh, without having the luxury of being able to, back in the old days, look through the camera. Uh, nowadays, with digital uh, capture and digital photography, we can look at monitors to focus and see and make sure that whatever the camera is shooting uh, stays in focus. So um, we're in control of the lens. Uh, but you're not operating the camera. No, no, no. The camera has uh, typically has an operator, unless sometimes it's locked off. So the focus puller is uh, uh, sort of off on his own to the side, and uh, and um, you know pulling focus on the subjects that the uh, cameras are shooting. So how did you do it back in the day, and how is it different now? Back in the day. And what year is that, by the way? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, hopefully, uh, yeah. Uh, back in the day. So here I am dating myself. So uh, when I came up. Working in the motion picture industry, I, I came up working uh, with film cameras. There really weren't digital cameras back then. Oh, wow. Uh, video was just sort of starting to come out, but, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I, I can't even remember the names of some of the video cameras when they first came out, like maybe Betacam or something like that. But um, uh, predominantly everything was shot, uh, if not exclusively, on film. Mm. And, you know, back then uh, the operator uh, had their hands full, literally operating the camera because they would use what's called a gear head and that gear head would be operated pan and tilt with a, uh, with a gear driven wheel system. And so oh, like a crank, you mean? Yeah. Like a crank for oh. tilt and a crank for pan. And so the focus puller would literally sit next to the operator while the operator was looking through the eyepiece. The focus puller, uh, would take measurements of the, uh, actor, um, and if the actor was at eight feet, the focus puller would hence and have the lens at eight feet so that it would be in focus. So uh, anytime the actor uh, would be moving, depending if they were moving away or moving closer, uh, the focus puller is to, um, you know, adjust accordingly, turn the lens closer if the actor is moving closer and further away uh, if the actor is moving further away and, and keep that distance on the lens to match exactly where the actor is in accordance to the, to right. the camera. But back then, because um, nowadays... All while not having <laughs> the luxury of looking through the eyepiece. So right. we would have to say, yeah, yeah there we are. Because I was going to ask, like, yes. how did you pull focus when there wasn't a monitor? And not only not have the monitor, but today the, the system is wireless. You got all this stuff. Back then, like, how did you... What was the thing like when you were pulling focus? What was the machine? Is it yeah, still no, rudimentary? It was a, it was a, it was a uh, engineered uh, piece of equipment uh, called a uh, follow focus, and it and it uh, would attach itself to uh, the camera, so to speak. 
uh, was a gear-driven system uh, that had uh, a gearing on it that would match the pitch of the gears on the lens, and you would turn it uh, in, in accordance uh, with where the talent was. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the lens having distance marks on it, you know, typically from, like, infinity to, let's just say the close focus was... Uh, five feet, you know, you would keep that lens on the distance mark wherever that matched uh, the actor. So if the actor was 20 feet away, the lens was at 20 feet. And if the actor was going to walk from, say, 20 feet to six feet, right. you would measure out 20 feet to six feet from the camera. You would know where 20 feet is, 15 yeah. feet, 10 feet, eight, six. And you would mark those uh, on the lens. Mm -hmm. And when the actor walked towards the camera, you would when, when that actor reached that mark, you would have to match that mark on the lens. So and make sure they're focused. Yes. And what if you fucked up and you didn't get focused? What? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that's the, uh, that's the, that's the uh, great uh, part about being a focus puller is, is, is uh, you, know, um, you know, when it's not right, believe me, they'll let you know it. Uh, and if it is, nobody tells you. So right. the, the old uh, saying, no news is good news, certainly applies. But... Uh, you know, back in the day of, uh, of filmmaking, um, you know, you really relied on your operator and your operator's eye to be able to look through uh, the camera and the lens. Uh, and sometimes it was not easy for them because there'd be a lot of filtration in front, mm -hmm. uh, plus the spinning shutter of the camera. You know, uh, when the shutter spins, you essentially only see the image half the time, right? Because the shutter spins, mm -hmm. it it's, has, a, has a mirror and a pellicle system, shoots that image up to the operator's eye. They see the image, then it spins around again, it captures the film. So, you know, the operator with the shutter moving around in their eye, looking through an eyepiece, uh, a lot of times through, you know, filtration and the stop being exposed and, and, and a closed iris, you'd really have to rely on a good operator to say, hey, you know, you kind of missed it there coming around the corner or... Uh, you right, because you're just judging it, it based on feet. You're not seeing correct, anything. Correct, correct. Damn, that must have been tough so back then, boy. It, it, you know, it was tough, but, you know, the process was so uh, different back then in the sense that, you know, the workflow was, okay, the camera assistant gets time to get their marks, the director of photography gets time to light the scene. Mm -hmm. um, the actors, they come out and they rehearse the scene. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when they go back into wardrobe and makeup, you know, the rest of the crew finishes lighting, finishes setting up the camera. Um, and you, you know, would they, block they, scenes they, too, right? They block the scenes and rehearse the scenes, which, what, with, uh, which is called, what was called second team, mm -hmm. which were the stand-ins in, stand for, the, for the main actors. So, you know, essentially by the time uh, the actors, the main actors came back on set, you would essentially, you'd done the shot already several times. Right. Through rehearsal, through blocking, through tweaking. And a lot of times the actors would come back and, you know, they'd want to rehearse a couple. You know, because not only are they getting made up and getting dressed, they're rehearsing their lines. So they want to come out on set and maybe rehearse a couple of takes first. So sure. you had that luxury of, of doing a shot several times before you even put it on film. And back then, it's not like today where you just turn the camera on. And right, roll. and it's digital because I was going to get to that right. because today's digital. you got memory cards that can give you hours of footage. But back then with if film it's cameras. An old, if it's an old memory card, though, it starts to lose its memory. 
It yeah. forgets a lot. Yeah, probably, and it probably doesn't re- register 4K <laughs> or any of that crap. I don't even register anything now. I'm 58. <laughs> oh, so this, so when you were doing these jobs back then, was it around the 70s? I'm assuming. No, 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 no. 80s. Uh, you know, it's funny. Um, I, so how did you get your start? Let's go back. How did you start? Yeah, well, you know, when I was a kid, I, I, I loved loved photography i love sports and i always thought man i wish there was a way to kind of do sports and photography and you know i would always kind of wanted to uh, parlay that into some sort of like either broadcasting or working for a uh, sports network or something like that and um so I ended up going to Florida State, make a long story short, and uh, it was prior to Florida State having a film program there. So uh, what I did was I, I worked on what was called media production back then, which mm. was a little bit of everything, radio, uh, theater, uh, film history, music scoring for film, uh, editing, um, writing, advertising, just sort of all-encompassing. Yeah, very broad. All-encompassing. And... Uh, you know, it, I, I, I kept sort of, you know, meandering my way down the, down the tunnel, if you will, and I kept coming back to, you know, anything that had to do with cameras and anything that had to do with film. I loved it, that and radio, and I worked at the radio station uh, while I was there as well doing sports. Um, but when I graduated, uh, my uh, counselor said, hey, I, I got an internship for you at a production company in Miami Beach. Oh, nice. And I, and, and I didn't hear anything that he said. All I heard was Miami Beach. <laughs> and, you know, never having been to Miami Beach before, I'd been to Florida many, many, many times because my mother lived down here, but never having been to Miami Beach, I thought, oh, man. Wait, so you're not originally from Florida? No, I'm originally from uh, outside of Detroit, Michigan. Okay, so, so you were born in Detroit? Detroit Rock City. Oh, nice. Yeah. So your mom, you said your mom was in Florida? Were, are your par- were your parents not together? No, my parents weren't together. Uh, my parents had divorced when I was really young. So, uh, you know, my mom moved to Florida, ironically enough, right after I had graduated from high school. So mm-hmm. uh, I was sort of on my own in Michigan for a couple of years uh, at college. And then I just decided I'd had it. I'd had it with the winter. I'd had it with the cold. I was like, I was done. So um, after a couple of years up in Michigan at, at, at college, I called mom and I said, hey, coming on down, using your address, got to get into school down there. And uh, Florida State had a, uh, had a good program. I went and checked out the campus. Uh, I couldn't believe my eyes. Uh, lots of uh, beautiful students there, if you will. Um, you know, I really liked it. It was, uh, it was, uh, yeah, for sure. Really Florida is a melting pot. Uh, it was pretty cool. So, uh, ultimately I ended up going to school there for, for three years and graduated. And, uh, when I had an opportunity to get that internship in Miami beach, man, I jumped all over it. Cause I was mm. like, Oh, I got to go check out Miami beach. And when I came down here, my eyes about fell out of my head. Wow. Dude, the music, the sounds, the color of the ocean the palm trees the sand the beach um south beach was kind of really turning a corner at that point so it was it was becoming a a a really sort of you know discovered gem and Mm. really just a hip place and i was man i just the women from south america you just you don't see that stuff from yeah it's it's, it's, in michigan and you know and i'm just saying just just the people in general just 
the, just the different cultures and exactly. the, the Latin culture. I loved it. I loved it. I loved the music. I loved the cuisine. I loved everything about it. I loved the colors, the history, the art. Uh, Is the, the production studio still open? The one you interned at? No, the one I, you know, ironically enough, the the one I interned at was a uh, was a company that just kind of started up was starting up, you know, itself. It was called Walk on Water Productions. Interesting. A- and they did everything uh, production wise, uh, either, you know, on water or underwater. And I just got an internship there, and uh, I remember the very first uh, commercial I did. Um, was a huge, huge Diet Coke commercial, uh, and the actor was Judge Reinhold. And mm. a lot of people are like, who is Judge Reinhold? Well, uh, if anybody's seen the movie uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, mm-hmm. which is like an 80s uh, mm-hmm. Classic. I- iconic yeah. movie, um, you know, Judge Reinhold was, uh, uh, was Brad in that uh, in that movie, and he plays the guy that works at the uh, fish and chips. He's the lengthy uh, dude, right? The He's the lengthy ah, dude. I see what we're talking about now. His uh, name is Judge. Uh, his name is Judge. What? N- not Judge. Uh, wait, is it is it Judd or Judge? No, it is Judge. Yes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Cool. Rhymes with fudge. Judge. <laughs> yeah. It is Judge. Judge Reinhold, and uh, you know, uh, a lot of people will remember him. Uh, as <laughs> that guy that was uh, looking at Phoebe Cates yeah. coming out of the pool. Yeah, the the, window. The, yeah, the jerk-off scene. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yo, that scene, man, is that classic. <laughs> yes. So when I saw Judge Reinhold, I thought, oh, my God, I've made it. I've made it. There he is. There, I mean, there he is. So that was your first kind of actor you met on a set? That was the first kind of actor I met on set. And... Um, uh, you know, I wouldn't say I was starstruck, but I just found it so interesting. I mean, uh, you know, and this production was huge. Mm-hmm. It was for Diet Coke. Uh, the director back then uh, was a enormous, enormous commercial director named Bob Giraldi. Mm-hmm. And okay. he had directed all these um, really famous uh commercials with uh soda commercials i think it was pepsi with michael jackson he'd done a lot of the uh miller light commercials with all of the uh with all of the athletes uh so everybody knew who he was everybody knew who awesome, he was yeah. and the um you know it, there was no expense spared it was a giant production it was on water uh so which you know made it um for production wise was was not easy so uh me that being my first taste of the industry i was like oh my god you know this is just incredible this is hollywood this is literally lights camera action it's like los angeles but on the east coast literally so um uh, so when i saw that and having been an intern and then being in miami beach i said man this is what i want to do this is this is definitely going to be it for sure. Nice. And I sort of, I sort of worked my way into, uh, you know, the production company. They, they were pretty cool. They let me um, each job. They let me be in the lighting department. They let me be in the camera department. They let me be in the prop department. They let me be in production. Cool. And <laughs> when I got into the camera department, I just, I, I just, you know, that parlayed that from my childhood of of loving photography and so on and so forth. And so, it just made all, it just made sense to me. And I just really gravitated towards it and loved it and uh you know um i have a similar um Mm -hmm. 
experience to that because I also started with photography before I transitioned um, into uh, the career of trying to be a cameraman and mm-hmm. um, want my, my end game is to be a DP. Mm-hmm. But um, before that, I, I was a baker, so I wasn't doing anything in the field of cameras and film, any of that stuff that literally came earlier this year. Like my first time ever being on set was last December, mm-hmm. uh, December 2022, and I was a stills photographer. So that's how I entered this the this career mm-hmm. is I went in it through being a BTS stills photographer, mm-hmm. which is super fun. You know, you get to be there, you see the director, you see the actors, you mm-hmm. see them do their prop, makeup, all that stuff, and you're there and you're capturing, your job is to capture all of the mm-hmm. moments. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, and yeah, and I used to take pictures. I, I learned photography on YouTube. I didn't go to school for it. I didn't go to school for this either. I like everything I'm learning, just like you, is through my internship that I got here. Mm-hmm. That sh- put me in all the different departments and learning all the stuff. And um, the only difference between our our your story and mine is that I went in saying I wanted to be a DP. Like mm-hmm. I knew from the bat I wanted to be a DP, but I knew I had to go through the entire field to get there because I need to know lighting, I need to know audio, I need mm-hmm. to know how to rig everything and all this stuff. So mm-hmm. super interesting. Well, you know, back if you wanted to be a, a, a DP, uh, you know, back in the days of film, it was um, you, you really had to, you know, take the steps necessary. You had to build that foundation. You had to understand, speaking of lighting, you really had to understand lighting and the color of the lights mm-hmm. and uh, the intensity of the lights and uh you know in, in relation to the film stocks because there was no uh, like today with digital cameras there was no just you know changing the color on the spot you had yeah. to photograph that image the way you wanted it to be right then and there and then in a couple of days after uh you know after processing you got a chance to look at it to make sure it was the what you know it was what you wanted uh look wise it was in focus uh it was operated properly so, right. um, you know, that's why in the days of film, there were a lot of tests, uh, yeah. testing shot beforehand. Yeah. And then they used to have a loader just test. to load and oh, unload yeah. film. And there was, yeah. what was the max time on those things, like uh, on a film, of uh, recording time? Like well, half if, an hour or something? In, in, no, in, uh, no <laughs> I wish. Uh, in, uh, in, in 35 millimeter, uh, you would have a 400 foot roll or you would have a thousand foot roll. And if you shot at the sort of um, uh, typical frame rate of 24 frames a second, which is real-time motion, um, you know, a 400-foot roll uh, would last about, uh, well, it's 90 feet a minute, so 90... 90 feet a minute? 90 feet a minute, so it would last... Bro, that's like four minutes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, nine times uh, four is 36, so it would last a little over four minutes in a 400-foot roll. And you get about 11 minutes out of a 1,000-foot roll. What? Uh, yeah, I, I remember that being the math. It's been a long time since I've had to do it, but I remember that being it, yeah. Damn, now now I see why there's yeah. so much film for for right. one movie. I'm like, why is there so many films? Ironically enough, I remember 16-millimeter was 36 feet a minute, so you could, you know, you could Oh, that's almost, like three times more. Uh, not quite, but yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, almost three times. Correct. Yeah. Again, I've forgotten. Uh, me too. <laughs> I, it's been, you know, it's been a long time since I've had to take off my shoes and socks and yeah. my fingers and toes. Man. But, uh, okay, so what goes next after the commercial? So you do your commercial. You now you, you got it in your camera department. You you love that that part of it. When did you get on your first 
uh, film? And was it Deadly Rivals, your first uh, film? Well, I mean, according to IMDb, I guess my first uh, film was Deadly Rivals back in, uh, back in the 90s. But, um, you know, Deadly Rivals, I got on as an additional uh, second assistant, meaning that production would have uh, certain shoot days where may maybe they would have multiple cameras and they would need additional crew. Mm -hmm. So I'd say that was my first time of really stepping on set of a movie, per se, Gotcha. Uh, and uh, and working uh, as a camera assistant in that capacity on a film, um, and I was second AC. And what's uh, the difference between uh, second AC and first oh, AC? Oh man, and second, the jobs. Uh, what are, what are the difference in jobs? Uh, second ACs are worth uh, their weight in gold. I mean, they are basically uh, the managers of the camera department. Um, and basically, a second AC is in charge of all the equipment, um, charging, uh, in charge of, um, you know, basically keeping the department uh, running smoothly. Uh, what equipment's coming in? What equipment's going out? Uh, Personnel-wise, do we have uh, multiple cameras? Uh, do we have uh, any specialty equipment? Uh, do we need uh, personnel for that? Mm -hmm. uh, and not only that, you know, and then the main uh, part of the second AC is to support the first AC. Mm -hmm. um, Which is what a focus puller is as correct, well. Correct, a first AC slash focus puller. So the second AC will definitely support the first, uh, making sure the first has uh, everything that they need. So they can basically just pull focus and... Uh, Not have to and, worry about and, anything and, else. And tend to uh, the director of photography, who ultimately is attending to the director. So it just works its way up in an, in, in an upward sort of uh, uh, motion. So, you know, second AC... Back when I was doing it, uh, you know, especially on commercials, you were the second AC slash film loader. You did not mm. get a film loader. Okay. So so uh, that just all fell under it, the AC job. So that all just fell under being the second AC. So sometimes you'd have to tell your first, your focus puller, you'd have to say, hey, I got, I got to step off set. I got to reload some mags or we're going to run out. Mm. And the first AC would, you know, I mean, not like being on set by themselves, um, you know, uh, having to toe the line by themselves for, until you got back, but that's just the way it was, you know, on commercials. Yeah. So uh, on feature films, however, you would definitely have a, a dedicated film loader for sure. Yeah, and yeah. It, well, that would also depend on budget too, or for sure they're going to have a film loader when you start uh, getting no, into those. No, no, uh, feature films... Uh, they have the budget for that. I, I guess if they had a low budget, you know, they would they would have. It's not it wasn't unheard of where the second AC would also have to go and load, mm -hmm. uh, in addition to being a second. Uh, you know, that would happen if it was maybe a one camera show where it wasn't wasn't so um, uh, wouldn't be uh, something almost uh, impossible for a second AC to tend to two cameras and load or two cameras. So it was basically, if it was one camera show, sometimes, yes, you would find a second AC would also be the loader as well. Gotcha. But, but usually uh, fe uh, feature films, um, movies of the week back then, uh, people don't, some people, some people are saying, what, 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 what's a movie of the week? Yeah, what is that? I don't know. Uh, what is, is that? <laughs> um, a movie of the week, ironically enough, back in the days of, uh, of television, um, sometimes uh, you would get a, uh, a network like CBC, uh, um, sorry, CBS or NBC or ABC, they would show what they would call a movie of the week, which would be a story. Maybe it would be based on a current event or it would be based on something fictional or whatever, just to kind of break up the monotony of, of just, you know, the, the network shows. Gotcha. Um, 
and uh, so, um, you know, so a second AC back then uh, sometimes would have to load, definitely on commercials, but uh, in feature films, you would definitely have a film loader for sure. Right. And then, um, not always, not always, but most of the time. But these were all shot, when you did these types of work, the second AC in the 90s, these were all films that were being shot in Miami? The unit part was in Miami? Yeah, Miami was an amazing, amazing market uh, in the 90s uh, and, the t and, and the 2000s, all the way up, mm, I'm going to say, I, I don't know, maybe till 2016, maybe, till we lost our incentives. But back then, Miami was a great place it was a jumping off point for um for the islands uh, we had beach we had uh, everglades we had metropolitan cities we had all kinds of different looks we had the weather yeah um we had uh not only different looks uh, location wise we had uh different looks uh depending on if you were in fort lauderdale or if you were in miami or if you were in palm beach or you'd get a yeah, completely you got the everglades look if the, you want to go for keys. swamps you know, it, it was just, it, it, it was awesome. At one time, we were literally, literally the third market, third largest market behind L.A. and New York. Yeah, yeah. I believe it. Yeah, for yeah, sure. It's incredible. Now I know Atlanta's popping. Oh, dude. I, 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 I did a job in Atlanta. Uh, I'm trying to think of when this was. I, I'm probably not correct on this. It's probably been busy for, it's probably been, Atlanta's probably been doing what they're doing now for probably, I'd say, 15 years. But, but prior to that, I went up and I did this commercial um, for Georgia Power and Light. Mm. It was just this commercial we did. And I went up there, and it was like a 10-day commercial. And I went into this camera house, and there was one guy working there. There was one camera house in all of Atlanta, and there was one guy working there because it was uh, it was was not much happening there at all yeah wow so i walked in and he's like he, he says to me well i'll you know let me know when you need me i gotta do i'm doing lighting and grip and camera so if you if you need anything just let me know i'll try to get to you when i can and now it's like you know i mean i mean the, you know the crew uh, we had i think there were probably oh i'm not exaggerating i, I think there were maybe five or six camera assistants in all of atlanta wow. i think there may be as many gaffers i mean it was definitely definitely nothing you. yeah nothing, nothing was happening nothing there nothing like it is now and it w and i just it i think about that and i think about what it, atlanta is now today and it's just it, it just blows my mind it's, i read it was i mean atlanta, of a atlanta literally is is truly a boom town yeah it is i it mean is. tyler perry just built like a Crazy studio, I read. Yeah, over we, there. I've I've been there. I shot there for five months. It's beautiful. At the Tyler Perry stu yeah, studio. It's oh, beautiful. what was that like? Uh, we I worked in uh, one of the stages there on a, on a on a show where they had built a tank. Uh, it was um, uh, I think the tank was twenty five deep, twenty five feet deep. It was probably oh maybe forty by forty. What were you shooting? I was working on uh, a picture that came out uh, a little over a year ago called Wakanda Forever. Oh, that's where you were shooting Black yeah. Panther. Okay, yeah. cool. Underwater. Yeah, so on Correct. Yeah, so you were part of the underwater team for that. That's right. So how different is underwater focus pulling versus on land? I'm, I'm assuming you're not in the water. There's no way you're fully well, you know focused what? in you the know water. You know what? I, I, uh, man, I, I came into uh, uh, underwater photography, so to speak. I, uh, man, I came into it at the right time because now with digital cameras, um, 
I don't need to be in the water. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need to get wet. I don't need to even check the temperature. I don't need to look at it. I, nothing. Yeah, because the monitor so, is out of the camera. Uh, the, the, the system's the, wireless. Right. The, uh, the loom, as they call it, which is the cable system that comes out of the camera. It comes from the camera, comes up to the surface, comes right to me, uh, to my little control setup where I control the right. um, uh, functions of the camera and the uh, lens control. And it comes to me on a beautiful, beautiful image where I'm high and dry. Nice. Yeah, but what back then, I mean, my hat goes off to the guys back then. I mean, I didn't, I didn't pull focus underwater uh, like some of the pioneers did. Um, these guys, you know, they were Damn, underwater. That must have been tough, man. Dude, I, as I referenced earlier about pulling focus uh, in film on set, you know, you know, I had the luxury of of being able to take out a tape measure, walk it out, yeah, uh, get marks. When you're underwater, those guys didn't have any of that luxury. They 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 had their marks and they knew what the distances were, and basically, you know, they were just doing everything by eye. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Let's go back to the 90s, specifically um, 99, which I think is when you had your first job as a first AC focus puller, right? And it was on a film 8mm? Uh, uh, I did work on 8mm. 8mm came here to Miami um, from, uh, I guess they were shooting in L.A., uh, Nicholas Cage uh, movie. Uh, it's a wild uh, movie, by uh, the way. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you like snuff films, <sighs> check it out. That's a wild uh, movie. But uh, well, uh, Joel Schumacher was a director, so uh, and he's this a trip. guy. He's a trip. Joel Schumacher is yeah. a trip because yeah. he's so different with his movies. Right. Like this, yes. this is the same guy that gave you Batman and Robin. Yes, <laughs> it's I pretty know. crazy. Where Pee Wee Herman was in uh, <laughs> was in Batman. That is. Man, that is crazy. Okay, so... No, Joel Schumacher, uh, so they came here uh, mm -hmm. and shot uh, uh, second unit, which was uh, additional photography. Now, I, I didn't get to uh, see or work with Nicolas Cage, but um, but we was shot... Was the director there? Joel Schumacher was there because we had some of the other principal actors uh, whose names escape me right now, but... Um, yeah, Joel Schumacher uh, was on set. Uh, okay, they came and shot here for like a week. Mm -hmm. uh, that was all on film. Back and then, then you were focus pulling on that project. I was one of the additional focus pullers. Yes. Sweet. And uh, that was the first one that you did. That was probably one of the first ones. Yeah. Um, okay. That was one of the first ones. Uh, and I remember Joel Schumacher uh, was man. He was the nicest guy. He was a nice. He seems guy. that way from he, his he interviews. He came up. To he says. Honest. He says, "Are you on our crew?" And I said, I am today. And he said, <laughs> what about tomorrow? And I said, I'll be here all the week unless, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. cool that you yeah, get to. Uh, I would assume like as a director, you kind of have to be like a little open, too, because you you are kind of like the head. So you kind of have to be able to talk and be able to be talkable like you know to people and not being a complete ass how are you gonna work well not always i mean you know some directors are more personable some directors aren't personable at all so how many directors uh, do you feel like because i'll plead ignorance here because yeah. i had no idea I that no there was a difference between ignorance <laughs> my, my wife will, my, my wife will tell you that right up front. my wife will probably he, say the same thing he's ignorant and don't but, even ask my kids but um when i was before I got into the field and realized how much different jobs that we just went through, how many different jobs you can do in the film set, I just assumed the director was the one that was operating the camera. And, it, and I didn't realize that a lot of directors don't necessarily operate the cameras. And um, 
I wanted to know from your experience working with directors, is that something that you notice that our directors, do they like to be behind the camera or do they like to just be the over, the, the eye that sees everything instead? Uh, you, you know, uh, so funny, I always, re I always reference everything as to, you know, back in the day or today. Uh, but, you know, uh, years and years ago, uh, you know, the directors had their hands full. I mean, they had their hand. Uh, you would never see, at least in my experience, maybe if it happened, I wasn't aware. Certainly I didn't see it. But directors would never operate the camera. Uh, the directors of photography would never operate the camera. The camera was operated by camera operators. And, uh, you know, I mean, nowadays, um, yeah, you have uh, directors of photography that also like to operate the camera. You have um, some directors that like, like to Like, I know James like Cameron to loves to operate. Well, y uh, you know what? You, um, I, I've not worked with James Cameron, but uh, what came to mind was uh, Michael Bay. I, I have done a, a couple Michael Bay pictures, and mm -hmm. uh, he being the director, he would operate the camera. And he's so. a wild director. Yeah. He yeah. loves crashing cameras. I can attest to that personally, <laughs> yes. I can attest to that personally. Okay. So um, yeah. we mentioned before you worked with, uh, with Judge, and mm -hmm. you weren't necessarily starstruck by him. Right. Is there a job you went on that you were like, wow, this yes. person's in front of me? Yes. Who was this actor? The first. Or uh, the director. First, I, I, it's like it happened yesterday. The first actor that I ever got starstruck by uh, was Al Pacino. Get the fuck uh, out of here. Uh, I was working on a movie uh, directed by Oliver Stone, who was not personable, going back to personal versus not personal directors. Uh, he was a total character, but he was not personable. Um, but, uh, what film was it? Was this Any Given Sunday? It was Any Given Sunday. Oh, sweet. I yeah. like that movie. Yeah. Uh, Any Given Sunday, I was the C camera, second AC. That was, that was about the last movie that and a movie called wild things those were the two last movies that i did as a second ac um i was the b camera second on wild things i was a c camera second on any given sunday but um we were at a uh football facility down in homestead and uh, we were setting up cameras out on the practice field and uh uh, a couple of the guys were throwing the football around and so on and so forth. And I was, I was helping my first assistant get marks. So I was out on the field getting marks, and this ball whizzes over my head. And I turned around, and just as I turned around to see where the ball ended up, because it, you know, yeah, I could have well, easily caught it. I but I didn't. I could have easily caught it. And I turned around, and the person who caught it behind me was Al Pacino. Damn. And I said Holy shit. It's the Godfather, bro. That's fucking <laughs> Al Pacino. I couldn't believe it. Wow. And the, and the thing that kind of struck me was, is it, you know, this is going to sound so stupid, but it looked just like Al Pacino. <laughs> you expected someone I, else. I was like, wait a minute. Fuck it. No wonder. Al Pacino looks just like Al Pacino. It's the same guy on the screen in all yeah. the famous movies. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, you know, but he was so, you know, he was... You know, I'm 6'2", but he was pretty short. I was like, wow, he's tiny. Yeah, I heard that he's about small. Tom Cruise. He's small. Apparently, he's super short. Yeah, I mean, I've, obviously, I've, I've never seen the guy. I've but not I've worked with I had a chance to work with him once, but it, it, it fell through, and um, they, uh, the shoot never materialized. But, oh, okay. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Al Pacino, I was uh, definitely starstruck by. 
Um, does you guys get to? Does he talk? I mean, how are these? Uh, he was. Yeah, you know, he loved throwing the ball around with the guy with with a lot of the players and the receivers and some of the quarterbacks because you know a lot of guys on that movie. Uh, were athletes. You know, were definitely athletes. They definitely had football experience. They definitely had, you know, uh, collegiate, uh, mm -hmm. maybe a short-lived uh, cup of coffee, maybe in the Canadian Football League or, uh, you know. Uh, was Jamie Fox there? Jamie Fox was there. LL Cool J was there. Yeah. yeah. Jamie Fox yeah. was good in that movie, man. Yeah. But uh, my name is Willie. You know, Willie Beeman. <laughs> Willie Beeman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, Cameron Diaz. Yeah, she was uh, so bad in the 90s, oh, man. man. Oh, man. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Who else kind of. I wasn't really starstruck, but I kept staring at her. Uh, was Anne Margaret. Anne Margaret. You're probably thinking, who's Anne Margaret? Yeah. Anne Margaret is a very, very famous, uh, very famous actress from like back in the 60s. Okay. Maybe even earlier. She's a redhead. Uh, she's in a lot of uh, Elvis movies. Okay. Um, and uh, she was, you know, wink, wink, rumored to have had an affair at one point with Elvis. And mm. I am a huge Elvis fan. So every time I looked at Anne Margaret, I was like, God damn. She you kind of slept with the king. She, she fucked Elvis. <laughs> yeah. Or oh, imagine that for Marilyn Monroe. I, like, damn, uh, you fucked the president. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. But, uh, you know, I, I had a chance to uh, work with Al Pacino on a second project. Um, called Two for the uh, Two for the Money, and uh, that was a movie about sports games. Uh, that one's good. That one's with Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey, and that was yeah, up in Vancouver. That one's good. And I uh, actually got to go up to Vancouver for six weeks and do all the uh, all the football uh, footage up there as okay. a uh, special quote unquote special sports focus puller. They let me into the country. Gotcha. So it's so. Um, but that's that's who immediately comes to mind when you say, "Were you starstruck?" Yeah, I mean, I would have. definitely. I mean, what a story! You turn around and it's Al fucking Pacino. Oh, like, man, dude! I, I, yeah. Like the only other person at the time, I feel like that could have been that kind of like it would be Robert De Niro. Yeah, and and, and you know, and I knew, uh, you know, I knew the people that were in the movie, so on and so forth, because you know, you get the call sheet, and back right. then they weren't yeah. like, you know, they literally had the cast. Do you get the script too sometimes or no? I did, uh, you know, I and I used to get them mailed to me, hard copy, um, with. Uh, were you they know, printed on red paper? They were no, no my, they, my well, no, mine were printed on white paper, and they would be in these giant binders, and I actually still have a couple of them. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. um, so, did you have to? Did you get to work with him again on The Irishman? Al Pacino no, was in that movie. No, yeah, but sadly I did not. Uh, I did, uh, again, they, they came down here for second unit uh, mm -hmm. for a week. Um, that's as close as I've ever gotten to a Martin Scorsese was he uh, here? Experience? No, sadly. So he was it was not. it was a completely second unit. None of the Correct. principal guys were there. Uh, some of the um, the younger the some younger of stars. The lower. I hate to say it like that. Some of the lower principals that were uh, further down on the call sheet with you know with double digit numbers like yeah. not number one, not number two, not number but they mean like gotcha. number twelve, number thirteen, number fourteen. But they came down, and that was that was awesome because it was a period piece. Uh, the stuff that they were shooting down here yeah. with you know old old wardrobe, you know, yeah, yeah, cars. Cool. So, what's some like of the that. places you got to travel to? Like, what's the furthest place you went for work? Uh, well, I've I've been to Europe a number of times. I feel like I've been to uh, man. I feel like I've been to every island uh, in the Caribbean. Uh, I've been to South America, I've been to Central America, all over the United States. Uh, I've been to Canada. 
I've not been to Asia. I've not been to Asia. Oh, okay, cool. So I would have assumed you might have ended up there at one point. Yeah, I would love to go. I would love to check it out, but I've not been to Asia. Um, one of the, uh, I don't know if this is the furthest location because I've been to Budapest. Uh, you know, just by as the crow flies. I don't know if Rome is further or Paris or um, some of the other places I've been. But uh, I ended up going uh, on a huge crazy to this day uh, I easily sometimes people say what's the hardest job you were ever on and immediately I say this job I did in Angel Falls Venezuela way down there almost to Brazil okay yeah so <laughs> this commercial Angel Falls is that the is that the big waterfall that that's from up the, that it is yes yes that's yeah, the, man, that's that, the waterfall the one that up. does the water doesn't hit the bottom it it does. Oh, it does. Okay. Eventually, eventually, it's literally the highest. It's it's the highest. Yeah, I know what you're talking about now. In the world. Wow. And some people actually call it the eighth wonder of the world. It's it's yeah. insane. It's uh, I forget how high it is, but it's, uh, I, I want to say it's a mile up there. And you were shooting a commercial, a film. This is totally ridiculous. We went down there for 14 days to shoot a commercial about a cigarette. Nice, fancy. <laughs> Holy shit. It was is that, it Marlboro? It, it was, uh, no, the Marlboro man was not there. They, were, they had good commercials uh, back then. Yeah, I loved did. them. It they were so it, Western. It, it, you know, <laughs> it, it was, I, I'm going to say, I don't know if it was cooler than a Marlboro commercial, but it, it could have been as cool. It was for a, uh, for a, for a, a tobacco out of India uh, called Dajaram. Mm. I don't know if you've ever heard nah. of Dajaram. D-J-A-R-U-M, Dajaram. The no, D's not silent, neither no. is the J. The J's not Jarum. silent. You got to pronounce it. But uh, we went down to uh, Angel Falls. It took us three days to get there. We took down uh, five film cameras, uh, boxes and boxes and boxes of film, um, all the support. Uh, I had to prep for uh, an insane amount of, of water. I had to prep for rigging. I had to prep for helicopter. I had to prep for airplanes. Uh, I had to prep helmet cams for people jumping out of uh, out of airplanes. The whole commercial, the premise of this commercial was these three guys. They're climbers, right? They're climbers, and they're um, what are the guys that jump off the top of buildings and they have the wingsuits on? What are those guys? Oh man, that it slips me. But why yeah, I know what you're talking why about. Can't I, yeah, I base, can't remember. base jumpers. Yes, base that's jumpers. It. Sorry. Yeah, with the uh, wingsuits, like the square yeah. ones. So this whole premise of this commercial was these three base jumpers were were climbing from the base of Angel Falls, as the story goes, to the top. Their journey to the top of Angel Falls, and then they base jump off the top of Angel Falls. And they glide their way down, parachute their way into the water, and it's a successful journey. It's an amazing trip that they've been practicing for and, and, and prepping for. And to celebrate... They have a cigarette. They light up with the jarm cigarettes. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. I think to celebrate victory in a uh, great yeah. moment than yes. the jarm cigarettes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, uh, so... Just the logistics of that job. I remember them asking me, they were, they were, they said, so what's your rate? And I told them what my rate was. And they said, no, no, no. What's your 16-hour rate? And I said, I don't think I've ever done a 16-hour rate. And they said, well, basically, 
we're working 16 hours every day from, from the time you get up to the time you wrap is going to be 16 hours. And, and we don't want to pay overtime. So they said, what's your 16-hour rate? And, you know, back then, I, for one, had never been asked for my 16-hour rate. So I just, I was like, okay, what's my rate for 10? Da, 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 da. And I said, 1000 for 16. And they said, $1,000 for 16? <laughs> and I said, yeah, think about the overtime, you know? It's, it comes out to more than that with overtime. So 1000 for, so for 16. So I, I, I said, yeah, I was thinking in my mind, they're never going to go for this. And they, they kind of scoffed at it, and I just sort of was very explanatory about all the things that I had to do. Yeah, and I mean, make it's a sure, lot of work, sure, bro. Make sure, the, make sure nothing ran amiss or broke down or, or went wrong, because what are you going to do, make a phone call and say, hey, man, can you guys send me another yeah, something, so something? I'm down that. here in Angel Falls. You, you, you wouldn't What's get the it closest, for a week. I mean, what were you guys uh, in Angel Falls? Where were you guys staying? Did you guys have to build tents? What's the closest ah, town? Hold on. Yeah, that's a great story. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, so five cameras, uh, just the logistics of the job. Uh, I asked for three days to, to prep everything, to prep all of the water protection so that we could shoot in the water. We could shoot getting pounded on by water from the falls, um, you know, everything. So, you know, they, they said, okay. So, you know, um, so I was like, all right. I, at least I know I'm making this amount every day. Uh, and believe me, I, it was a it was a beatdown. It was easily the, physically, mentally, uh, just everything. Check all the boxes. One of the hardest jobs I've ever done. It was just insane. But um, to answer your question about where did we stay, once we got down there to Angel Falls, we stayed at our base camp. Um, I'd say maybe about a quarter, maybe a half mile away from the falls. And we basically stayed in these native, um, these native um, sort of makeshift uh, housing where a lot of people who would come there to rock climb or to um, base jump or whatever, um, you know, you would, you would stay in these, I just called them huts. Gotcha. Because they weren't real structures, <clears throat> but they had, you know, they had bunks in them. So like in our hut, uh, we had a row of four. Uh, beds on the bottom, four on top. Eight guys stayed in uh, in one uh, in one place. So let me ask you this: um, You've done a lot of projects where you're like second unit. Is there a project that you did when you were in it from start to finish? Oh yeah, many. Okay, so many. when you've done a job like this and many. you see the movie in the release, do yes. you are you does it have something you're like, oh man, I shot this movie. This is it came out so good because. You don't know what the movie's gonna be like when you're shooting it. You don't know. You know you're not mm -hmm. part of the editing. So right. when you watch the movie in the theater or at your house, they'll be like, "Oh man, I remember shooting that scene." And uh, mm -hmm. look at that, I I, I hit the focus. Yeah. Or yeah. is there a time you watch one of your movies? You're like, "Fuck, I didn't realize I missed the focus." Well, I uh, I, I, I the first time, um, you know, the first time uh, when you asked me, you said. You know, based on, like, you don't know how it's going to be edited. You don't know how it's going to turn out. You don't know how it's going to come out. The first thing that came to my mind was a, was a, show, is a show called Dexter. Oh, yeah. I love and, that show. And uh, that was on Showtime. And uh, I worked on the pilot and the first four episodes of that show. And um, the reason why I didn't work more than the first four episodes is because we had, uh, <laughs> in Florida, we had three hurricanes back to back to back that year. 
and uh, it shut our production down. Um, you know, you each, had to move to LA, each, right? Each time, and uh, and they were just like, "We're out of here." we're not going to be able to ensure this. So uh, we're going to go shoot in L.A. Ironically enough, it pissed off the lead actor. He didn't want to go to L.A. because he lived on the East Coast. He lived in North Carolina. He's like, I love shooting in Florida. I can just buzz home for the weekend in North Carolina. Yeah, talk about Michael Hall, right? Michael Hall. And, uh, you know, so, uh, so I worked on the pilot and the first four episodes, and that was back right when digital, was for, uh, digital uh, photography cameras were coming out. And so on that show, we shot film in the daytime and we shot digital at night. And uh, that was back when you had to make sure all the lenses were back focused, the cameras were back focused. Uh, you had to do that at lunch. You had to do that before, you know, if the temperature changed, all that stuff. So uh, to answer your question, we're, we're working on this and, you know, and, and we're shooting all this gore and, you know, all these bloody scenes and like there's just this table with knives and saws and chisels and hammers i'm like what the fuck what the, what the fuck are we shooting this guy doesn't <laughs> this guy never says anything he doesn't talk he doesn't have any dialogue he just fucking hacks yeah, people all up crazy he bro. just he just carves <laughs> in he drains the blood he dumps everything i'm like what the f and then he's just like uh, mild-mannered whatever during the day i'm like what, what are we yeah. doing I had no idea it was going to be uh, a, you big know, a hit. lot of it. It was voiceover and and a lot of the dialogue of what his character was saying and doing was in his head. Right. 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 I yeah. had no idea. I was like, what, what are we what are we doing? And, um, you know, eventually, uh, you know, I got the premise of it and I was like, oh, OK. And wow, what a hit. Yeah. But a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, when they look at uh, my resume, if you will, and they see Dexter, they're like, oh, you worked on Dexter. And, uh, I mean, you do have a pretty yeah, nice uh, filmography. Was, yeah, man, thank um, you. So I then the other one, oh, sorry, to answer your question, the other one that I worked on from start to finish that was um, a really, really great movie that, um, you know, everybody enjoyed, and I was so... I, I answer this with this movie because my parents liked it, my relative liked it, my family liked it. It was something that everybody could go see and they were just it was a, it was a really really good movie. It was called Marley and Me. Mm, okay, uh, yeah, and, I know the movie. Uh, that movie made a lot of people cry. Yeah, man, uh, if you especially if you're a dog lover and mm -hmm. I, I you know, when we shot that scene uh Marley and Me with uh Jennifer Aniston and and Owen, Owen Wilson yeah. who were two very Super, super, super nice. Uh, they could not have been nicer to the crew. Jennifer Aniston was like, uh, for the superstar she was, uh, she couldn't, she couldn't go anywhere. We had to, uh, you know, protect her from paparazzi like every day, all day. Wow. She was just <clears throat> so cool, so humble to everybody. Um, but uh, you know, when that movie came out i was really proud to have worked on that because you know that was something that my mom and dad could see my family could yeah, see it's a family movie it Everybody wasn't this watch it. crazy drug shoot 'em up yeah hacking dexter stuff that you know my my, my parents or my you know my family would be like, uh, it's not really my kind of movie but so mm. when i could say hey go see marley and me you know that was something that anyway so that came to mind but uh but shooting that scene where they had to uh sadly put the dog down at the end uh, it was just one camera in that room, and uh, and you I was pulling focus I on was that the one? focus puller on okay. it because the the a focus puller um, 
was not able to do that scene. Um, Too emotional? No, she was she was uh, she was not able to be on set because um, she was sick and she was not able to gotcha. be there. Um, so I took over. It was just one camera, and uh, I remember Owen Wilson saying, "Guys, let's put." Uh, Let's put a thousand foot roll of fresh. Make sure we have a fresh thousand footer. I mean, we would anyway, but let's make sure we have a fresh thousand foot roll because I'm gonna I'm gonna do this a couple of times. I think that's all I'm gonna be able to do. And uh, let's make sure we capture it. If I need to go back, I just want to have one roll of film. I don't want to reload and redo this over and over and over. So y you know, so we're in there. We're doing this scene with a where we're you know sadly putting this dog to sleep. And, uh, you know, and as it's happening, this is no joke, as it's happening, we have a, uh, a rep from uh, PETA, which is the dog, uh, animal yeah. um, protection. To make sure not harming right, the animals right, on site. Right. We had, we had a vet, a, pr a real vet in there to say, okay, this is how we would euthanize. This is how we would do it. This is what we would do, so on and so forth. Um, the... You know, the gaffer was in there, the camera operator, um, you know, everybody, dude, everybody was bawling. Bawling, yeah. Ba and this is not even a real, you know, but it, right. it looked and felt and seemed so real. Everybody was crying. My operator literally was sniffling at the eyepiece. And he was, you know, trying to wipe his nose as it was, you know, as he was crying. People say, "Didn't you cry?" I, I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't cry at all. I didn't well up at all. I was so making sure that I did not be the one to have to say, "We got to do this again." Right? Yeah. Especially dude, when Owen Wilson says, "Put a fresh dude, one," because I don't want to fucking do it again. <laughs> I was dialed in, and we shot the the medicine going down the tube into the dog. Owen's hand stroking the dog close-up of him crying to the dog's face we were operating all over i mean you know my margin for error on that was was not a lot it wasn't slim it wasn't crazy you know slim or anything like that but you know my margin for error was not a lot so i was you know i was basically just really intense on that scene so i didn't really have time to cry or think about crying or whatever i was but everybody was bawling in that scene yeah. Is that the movie you would say you're the proudest of? Like when you think of your filmography, like, damn, I'm really proud of this movie. I think so. You know, just in terms of, uh, you know, I, I, I worked on it the entire time. Uh, my operator uh, was an amazing, amazing operator. He had just come off of Batman, The Dark Knight with uh, Christopher Nolan and Wally Pfister. And um, uh, he had just talked about they were one of, the, uh, if not the first, one of the first people to ever utilize an IMAX camera on a Steadicam rig. And yeah, uh, Nolan's notorious for using. But it had never IMAX really cameras. been done because those IMAX cameras were freaking huge. Yeah, and they, they make were huge heavy. sound too. And so he literally, the the camera operator, Steadicam guy, he literally had to have special equipment made just to be able to support that camera and the weight of the camera. So. Uh, you know, and he won Operator of the Year for it. So, I mean, I had a heavy hitter operator who, thank God, was super nice, uh, Steadicam operator as well, who, uh, when we did Steadicam, he was the B-camera Steadicam guy. 
uh, we had two major actors. Uh, the director was David Frankel, who was a big-time director. Um, you know, and, uh, and a lot of the shots that I did were, I mean, they were tough. Long lens, film, dogs, um, you know, big-time actors. Not, not that they wouldn't do several takes if needed, but, you know, the director, you're not going to want to do a lot of takes, right? I mean, so, um, you know, everybody had to definitely make sure that they were on top of their game. But mostly, like I said, because that was a film that, you know, I could say to anybody without being worried of, of saying, ah, it's a little gory or, oh, it's a There's little a lot offensive of or, oh, or, it's yeah. a lot of language or, oh, it's a lot. You know, it was really just a good, wholesome movie that, that, that everybody could go yeah, see. Correct? It was. It, yeah. was a, it was a really good movie. Those yeah. te tearjerker movies, they can they can hit home sometimes. Yeah, correct. Um, so let me ask you, um, you've also worked on films like Bad Boys mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and a lot of the films that are shot here in Miami. Yeah. Um, on Bad Boys, for example, were you also uh, a first AC? I was, yes. And are you part of the f uh, first unit or second unit? First unit, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what's the difference between the units? When you say you're first unit and then you're second unit on something else, what does that mean? Are you not working with the principal actors if you're in the second unit, or what does that mean? Well, you know, you, you do get to work with principal actors uh, and, and the lead actors, frankly. You, you do get to work with them on, uh, on second unit. Um, but basically, you know, first unit, uh, yeah, in a nutshell, you could say first unit is the principal actors, second unit is, is, is stuff that the principal actors aren't going to do, like stunts or, you know, something where you don't necessarily need the principal actors, but you need to shoot these scenes to sort of tie in the stories, you know, the scenes between both units. But, uh, you know, um... You know, second unit is, is basically stuff that the first unit just schedule-wise doesn't really have time to shoot. There's so much uh, that needs to be shot uh, in accordance to the story or the plot or whatever it is that it, it, it takes multiple units to get everything done. So you have a second unit or a, an additional unit to, to shoot that stuff. Uh, sometimes out the, uh, there's uh, what's called as a splinter unit. Uh, splinter unit will shoot like, um, like for example, uh, inserts um, of uh, like an actor, you know, dialing a phone instead of you know the first unit shooting the actor actually holding the phone and dialing it. Mm -hmm. They'll have a splinter unit come in with a hand model or a, or a, or a stand-in that whose hand looks the same, and they'll just shoot the hand and the oh, phone. So that's, so that's know, what just, they do? Just, just that's like crazy. That. Yeah, so sometimes stuff. it's not even Will Smith's hand holding the phone. It could be someone else's. That's right. That's right. Oh, yeah, it could be mine. No, I wouldn't, uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be a good match. <laughs> You'd be like the first black I hand. Wouldn't be, <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't be a good match. Okay, so when you mentioned earlier that you worked on Michael Bay with some Michael Bay films, those were the films, the Bad Boy movies? Correct. Uh, uh, the second one and um, the third one, which is ironically called Bad Boys for Life. But and they're the making a fourth it's one. It's the third in the series. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. I also, yeah, I heard, I heard they're making a fourth one. I, 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 so you worked on all three? I haven't heard that they're shooting it in Florida, I doubt that they will because we just don't have the production incentives here. Yeah. But maybe they'll come here for a cup of coffee and get a couple things. Gotcha. Uh, so I was going to say... Uh, I, I only worked on the second one and the third one. I did not work on the first oh, one. Oh, so you didn't work on the first one. No. Okay, so we're in the second one. So when you work on 
on a movie like Bad Boys 2 and then you work on the third one, mm -hmm. are you called back because of the work you did on the first one? Or, or are you just part of like that crew that's in Florida? You're one of the top focus pullers or whatever. And they're like, okay, so whenever we go to F Florida, we're just going to call up Mike. He'll be our focus puller. Or how does that work? Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get on the third one because I worked on the second one. Uh, I, I ended up getting on the third one um, to say yes because I'm, I'm one of the focus pullers in, in South Florida that has uh, feature experience. Um, I don't know if it helped or not, but yes, I did work on the second one. Mm. Although, you know, Michael Bay directed the second one, he did not direct the third one. Mm -mm. So That's why it uh, looks so different. Um, but, uh, you know... I also knew um, some of the guys that were in the camera department on Bad Boys for Life that were shooting up in Atlanta, and they said, hey, we're coming to Miami. Would you be interested and available for these dates? So, uh, so I said, yeah. So I actually, I did, uh, when they came down here, I did uh, C camera. I was a C camera focus puller gotcha. down here on Bad Boys for Life. And it was only, I mean, they were only here for a couple of weeks. It wasn't anything crazy. And who, who calls you? You have an agent? No, I don't have an agent, um, if there's agents out there listening. Uh, I don't have an agent, but um, uh, it's just, yeah, word of mouth. Gotcha. Um, you know. Uh, what, what, what about the union? I hear a lot about the union mm -hmm. talk, and, I'm, and I have to say, again, I'm going to remain ignorant because, I, you know, being from Haiti and stuff like that and just not knowing what union is, how does that affect a person that wants to get jobs in the industry. Do you need to be part of a union? No, Is it necessary? No, you don't need to be in the union. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Florida, where we are, is a right-to-work state, so you don't have to be in the union, or, okay. or a union, rather, uh, to work here in the state of Florida. Uh, but if you want to work on union shows or union jobs, uh, you're required to be union. That's correct. Okay. Um, I happen to be in uh, the uh, Cinematographers Union uh, Local 600, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, unions, um, you know, they protect uh, the wages of, uh, of the workers, um, they protect uh, the working conditions, they provide for, you know, if you're going to work our crew X amount of hours, you're going to pay them this much. Uh, they're required to get so much sleep. They're required to get so, you know, uh, and, yeah. for breaks for meals and so on and so forth. So they just make sure you get treated properly. Uh, and uh, well, Yes, that's the theory. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that and, you know, you, you know, as, as you work uh, for many, many years, uh, you get insurance, health insurance for you and your family through the union. Uh, you have a pension. Um, so why not? So why not? Every, why not more people or people would not want to join? What would be a reason why not to join a union, for example? Because if they have all these great benefits, I'm assuming people would want to join unions. And I've known that some people don't join unions. Would there be a reason why? Well, there's there's a cost to join the union. There's a uh, initiation fee, if you will, uh, to join the union. Also, uh, you know, it's really difficult to try and tell somebody uh, in states uh, like Florida that don't have the production incentives and we don't have the volume of union work down here it's it's kind of hard to convince them say hey man you should join the union why well do you work on union shows well there are no union shows down here anymore you know mm. so <clears throat> but what if you wanted to work on a job 
that was you that had you and you have to join a union to do that right so if you uh, wanted to go work on a film in or show in los angeles or atlanta that's well, union uh, uh, you beat me to it i was about to say if, if you're if your goal if you're going to move to atlanta if you're going to move to georgia if you're going to move to la or new york or another union market where there's a lot of shows i mean there's a lot of union work in chicago they do tons of television in chicago uh new york as well um a mixed bag in LA between uh, features and TV. Um, Georgia, everybody knows what that is. I, I, everything shoots there. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're going to work in those markets, I would say you'd be a fool not to join the union because okay. you're going to join the union, you're going to get your hours that qualify you for uh, insurance, you're going to. Um, you're going to have money contributed into your pension account if you continue to make this a career and you ultimately end up retiring. You'll have uh, a pension to withdraw from uh, in your retirement. Uh, you'll have uh, insurance for you and your family. Um, you'll get a union wage. You won't even have to worry about saying, hey, this is my rate. It's just, it is. That's what it is. Yeah. Gotcha. So, uh, you know, other things that, that protect you, like, um, you know, turnaround time for rest, um, lodging if it's a distant location, uh, meal breaks, um, you know, s stuff like that. So, uh, but it's so hard to justify joining a union. I hate saying that, but it's so hard to justify that joining a union down here in Florida because we just don't have the union work like we used to. Yeah. Like Makes I sense. said, like I said earlier in the interview, we, we were the third largest market down yeah. there. It was, um, we had so much work. We had TV shows, pilots, yeah. feature films, documentaries. Do you think it's because everything. they took out the tax, that tax it, rebate right off they used to give for films back in the day? It all happened because, um, a couple of, uh, a couple of governors ago, uh, they decided that uh, we're going to do away with the film production incentive. And, uh, and when they did away with it... There it goes just, all the film production. It just, it just, it just left as yeah. a result. I mean, why come here and shoot uh, and pay full price when you can go elsewhere and get your, uh, get your rebates or your tax breaks? You know? So what's next so. for Mike? What do you got next coming up? What are you gonna? What's your next project? Well, are you allowed to discuss uh, it? Well, as we speak, uh, <laughs> as we speak here, we sit in the writer's strike, right? Right. There is a strike. So that, the yeah, writer's man, strike. A lot of movies got put on hold. Yeah. I just read about that. Yeah, I had a project that I was gonna do in uh, in Pittsburgh that's uh, on uh, indefinite hold now because uh, the writer's strike. Um, so writer strike fucked up Quantum of Solace back in 2008. Well, we we got the writer strike now. The uh, Actors Guild and the DGA is also talking about uh, you know um, supporting the writers, which you know I, I'm all for solidarity. I mean I'm not blaming the writers. I mean these these you know these studios they're they're making so much money, mm -hmm. and uh, you know the writers have said hey we. You know, we're not getting our due compensation. And on top of it, you know, you got to uh, we need protection moving forward because who's to say. And again, I'm probably getting way ahead of myself here. But based on where we sit now and, and are talking, you know, um, you know, there's artificial intelligence. Um, uh, writers are worried about, hey, are you going to start using A.I. to write your scripts? I mean, you're going to want to put us out of a job or, you know, so yeah, I mean, I that's mean, that's pretty yeah, man. You know this whole technical, uh, you know, advance that uh, that we're all going through. Um, you know, not only with equipment, but now, my God, you can just 
go on to uh, an AI platform and say, hey, I, wanna, I want a script about a comedy, about a guy who does this and a girl who does that and a, and a work situation like this and, and an environment like this, and AI will spit something out for you. Yeah, and it'll be good. Most of the well, time, I guess. Or I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I'm assuming it's good. It's AI. It's artificial intelligence. Yeah, right. I mean, I always assume so, it's good. Uh, you know, so, so uh, make a long story short to circle back, uh, you know, so right now I'm just, I'm just biding my time and just enjoying my family and, uh, yeah. and hanging out and, uh, you know, me time right now. But um, until the writer's strike. Uh, How long do you think it's going to go for? I don't know. The last time it happened, it was 100 days. So I don't, I don't know. When was the last time? The last time, uh, it was. I know those one in two thousand eight, but I don't good, know those one bef- well, after that. It was that. a good. It was. It was a number of years ago. Yes, it was a number yeah. of years ago. And you know, some people say, you know, that that strike that happened is the reason why we have reality TV today because, you know, um, studios needed content, so they were like, well, let's do this thing called reality Damn. TV, where we, and then TV we got, where we just give where we re- just give these people a bunch of cameras in a house and let yeah. them record themselves. Oh my god. So like Jersey Shore and shit. <laughs> Fuck. Why did they have to go on strike and have that show come on? Mm-hmm. All right, Mike, well, I really appreciate you coming Don't on. Don't even tell me. Don't even <laughs> tell me. Are we at the end? Yeah, we're at the end. We got to wrap it up. How is that possible? We got to wrap it up, man. We got a long day ahead of us. Oh, I, I want yeah. you to get back is to your family. Is there a part family. two? Is there a part two? Yeah, we can definitely do is there a part a two. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you have tons of stories Where, we have not yet to discuss. Is there so. a bottle of bourbon or something waiting for me at the end of this rainbow? Or oh, maybe next time I'll treat you oh, to something. Oh, dude. That's we what can, we can uh, get some what, social lubricants. That's what we got to do is sit down and, and, uh, and have, a little, have a little cocktail and yeah, really get fun. loose. Really yeah, get next loose. time for sure we'll do that. And we can talk about more crazy stories that you probably didn't discuss on the Oh, on man. I'd love, I'm, I, as anybody can tell you, I'm kind of long-winded sometimes. But, uh, man, I had so much fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm, thank I'm you. Sad that it's over. I'm yeah. genuinely well, sad. We'll, we'll, we'll do it again, sir. No worries. Oliver Stone, everybody. Yeah, Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone. All right, everybody. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Oliver Stone Podcast. Safe journeys across the stars.